Welcome to PTG TV. This is your host Antonio Hicks, and it is time for your weekly update. I know I'm trying to I'm trying to be consistent about this, even though I haven't been consistent about this. But uh, I'm trying to be consistent about this. But like, real quick, have y'all listening? If you've had COVID, do you still have any like lingering effects from like having had COVID before? Like I was talking to one of my coworkers today because I'm like just been. I still have the brain fog. Like I still get the brain fog, and I, I'm I'm not. I'm only 45, and it's for me. To me, for forgetting so much is wild to me because I'm like, there is no way I should be forgetting the stuff that I forget. And I know a lot of it came from having um, COVID, but it's weird that I still have it right now. I mean, you're talking about years later, and so I've been having this issue of just being so lethargic. Like I'm just, I am tired, and I eat right. And I work out and I exercise, but even when I'm working out and I exercise, when I want to work out, I like I have to push myself through it. And like physically, I don't feel like I'm I'm, I'm not sick with anything, so it's not like I've uh, contracted something. I'm not sick with nothing, but like I am like physically drained a lot of the time. And, and a lot of people say, oh well, like my therapist said, oh it's because it's the winter time. You know, winter time for stuff to start dying off, and it's time for like to rest up and. And I'm like still to this degree, man. I shouldn't be feeling so tired. You probably can just see it in my eye, <laughs> in my eyes too. And it's not like I'm working extremely hard. Even though I do work hard, but it's not like I'm like I'm, I do wake up at the crack of dawn. But I'm like working and grinding all day long until until you know the day ends. I'm not doing any of those things. So it's for me. I'm like, why am I so tired? So I bring it up to say I talked to one of my coworkers today. And he's an older guy. Like he's in his, um, I think he's in his his sixties, late sixties. And so we were talking, and I asked him. I was like, "Hey, man, you know, have you found that since you've gotten older, like you've been more tired?" And he was like, "Yeah." He said, "But what's weird to me is," and he asked me before I could even say anything. He's the one that even brought the COVID thing up to me because I'm still trying to figure something out. He was like, "Have you had COVID?" I was like, yeah, I had COVID. I was like, why you asked that? He said, because me and my wife had it. And he was like, a lot of our friends had it. And he was like, they feel the same way. Like, they're just extremely tired all the time. He said, I wake up and it's like, I don't want to do nothing. I'm like, I'm not that bad. I'm like, I want to work. But I don't want to do some of the things that I know I should be doing, especially like when it comes to working out. Like, I know I should just get up and hurry up and work out and just, you know, just knock it out of the way. But I'm just, sometimes I'm in the mood for it. And sometimes I'm just really not. And I have, but even like I said, when it comes to working out, I have to make myself and push myself through it because I know I need to do it and it's what's best for me. But it's like, man, it's a task just to even do just that. So, yeah, I, I just, I'm just wondering, you anybody else experiencing the same thing? So, you know, if you are, just you know, leave a comment in the description if you had in the description in the content. If you had still feeling, if you had COVID. And if you're still feeling some of the effects from it, because I think it's like, I really think it's wild because I, I try to eat right. I um I do intermittent fasting. I juice. So I try to drink, drink some celery juice and stuff. I take my vitamins. I take vitamin D and other stuff. And pause on that. I do take vitamin D and I take other stuff, you know, just to get my supplements and stuff in. But man, it's like I am like I'm tired and it's like I can't catch I can't catch enough sleep, and that's I think I think that's the other thing too. I, but I've never been a good sleeper, so I never slept all night long. I've never been one to sleep. I I look up to those who can sleep like eight to nine hours. I admire you all. I am jealous of you. I have never been able to do that. Ever been able to do that? Even since I was in high school, I've never been able to do that. So I, if you can do that, you know, 
give me some of what you're getting or let me know what you're doing because i have tried all of the things i have taken medication and none of those things work and i am just exhausted because i only get probably about a good five hours of sleep a night and so my therapist was like i need to try this which i do take a nap throughout the day so even when i get done working sometimes i try to take like an hour if i can even and that's the other thing too i can't get a good nap in i know i'm going i'm not getting on the topic but just you know a conversation about issues and stuff it's like even when i get a nap i can't get a good nap in because when i try to take a nap i probably might get a good 35 minutes of it because i'll start hacking and coughing my allergies start acting up so i i don't know i don't know it's, it's not because i'm getting old because i've always been i've always been like that but the the exhaustion is i thought it was because i'm getting old but i don't know man maybe it's because i've had uh covid before i you know i don't know it's i don't know it's, i just find it weird and it's not something I'm about to pay money to go to a doctor for. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Cause y'all, if y'all don't know, I mean, health insurance costs way too much. Me going to the doctor's office trying to do a visit, and now we got to do a sleep study and all that. I just don't feel like paying for all that right now, especially if it's just just being exhausted. Cause I don't have anything else, you know, going on with me physically. Like I'm like I said, I'm not sick from anything. I don't feel sick, and I, <laughs> I don't have anything else going on with me. It's just the exhaustion. And it could be because I'm getting older, because I am 45 years old. But Jesus Christ! So I want to do um, for this weekly update to get to get back on topic. I wanted to do a tech talk episode of new technology that's coming. What well, is out right now and what's being worked on? And it's a couple of things that you probably have already heard, but I found was like real interesting. Some of them people don't know about, but um, I found them real interesting. So one of the things that um, Skynet is working on, I'm sorry, Google is working on. I'm, I'm going to always call Google <laughs> Skynet because Google to me is Skynet. And if you do not know who Skynet is, Skynet came from the Terminator movies. Google has brought out the, their Gemini AI model. So they brought out the Gemini AI model to compete with ChatGPT4's uh, AI model because they had ChatGPT3, but they advanced to their GP4 model. GPT-4 model, which can do, like, you can uh, drag and drop images into it, and it's supposed to be, well, it does, not supposed to, um, look and sparse through the data of the images itself and tell you what's in the image and give you, like, comparison-like things, or you can do it to uh, inquire about stuff and do, like, a, a comparison analysis between, like, the uh, the two or, you know, something to that degree, and or it has much more of a fluid human-style conversation that comes along with it. But Google brought out their Gemini-based model, their language model, and it claims to be the most powerful AI they have built to this day. And I call cap on that. Like, I really do call cap on that. Because if you don't, if you remember, they had Project Lambda that was out years ago that they were talking about rolling out. And they were testing it within the lab. And Project Lambda was one of the ones, one of the engineers came out and said it was sentient. It recognized that it had it was self-aware. And since then, they have not really, they, re, they released a lighter version of Project Lambda for Google Bard. So if you don't know about, Google has Google Bard, which Google Bard, is B-A-R-D, is the same as competing with chat GPTs, you know, their open, open AI's chat GPT model where you can, you know, have a conversation and whatnot. So Bard has now integrated back into their version is like um, Lambda Lite. So it's not the full version of Lambda. And I find it weird that they won't release. And it's in why, why I say I found it weird. I'm a conspiracy theorist. And like I've always said, if y'all listen to my previous shows, 
a, I'm, I like a conspiracy theory that makes sense. It has to make sense. And when I saw what the engineer said about Lambda and by it recognizing itself and it was self-aware of who it was, it recognized what death meant to it and everything. I'm like, why, why won't you release that? Like, why won't you release it to let the public talk to it? So we can see for ourselves because they said they've had other people come in there and they've proven that, you know, it's not, it's not uh, sentient. It's just going off. It's just basic machine learning. And it's looking, it's just answering things like, like what you would want to hear. And I'm like, well, if that's the case, when the next, if you don't, if you believe that, then just release it and let all of us, you know, little meager humans test it out. But they've come out with Gem- the Gemini AI model. And all of these are like machine learning models that they're opening up to get into. Um, what is it? Um, it's not machine learning. See, I see, see, there's, there's, there's a brain fog, <laughs> the brain fog right there. But it's their new advanced model of um, generative AI. And so the generative AI is able to create new content output like real time, like conversations and whatnot. And it gets, it gets more advanced as they go into like our quantum computers and stuff, which is what people are scared of because they're afraid that, you know, that the, the AI will become, it really will become sentient, which I'm, I am all for. But it says that their Gemini AI model is faster than anything they've ever built before. And I'm like, well, I don't know about that because I'm like, you know, and I can't tell you or tell what another company has built, but it was faster and was not faster. But I think it's on the same level, if not the same level of their project Lambda, but they won't release Lambda to find out for us to find out, you know, which one is faster and which one has better conversation. Because to me, project, the Lambda seemed like it had better, which was, which is what it was made for more fluid conversation and real conversation that actually seemed like you're talking to, a human being and Lambda was supposed to be the chat bot that you can integrate like into your business services and things of that nature. But they won't, like I said, they won't release it. But with Gemini, you can get like the master human style conversations. You can, it understands and interprets images. It drives data and analytics and it creates new AI apps and APIs. Now that's good if it can help create that because I mean, a lot of things are doing this now, especially like chat GPT four, because I use a lot of them for like what I do at work when I'm when I'm building certain things in my lab. And yes, I do use it when I'm working in the lab because it's no different than actually Google and stuff. <laughs> so I've been using both and I can get, uh, you know, I get a mixture from both depending upon like the topics and what it is you trying to ask it. And they said that Gemini actually is better than chat GPT chat GPT four when it comes to 30 out of 32 uh, test samples they've, they've given to it. And I'm not going through all of those test samples. It was only a couple of things that it was off on. Like it recognized, like it asked, somebody asked them something about um, sex and they want to get to get into BDSM. And yo, if that's your thing, that's your thing. But it asked something about BDSM and it actually said that it's a language model and it doesn't get into things of that nature, which is a good answer because it didn't want to touch bases on it because it did, technically it didn't want to offend anybody. And you never know. You know, if you got kids talking to it, too. So it's good that it actually recognized that and it saw it as something that was not appropriate to be discussing from a computer standpoint. Because why would a computer know about, you know, BDSM outside of scraping data from the web? And even that's just subjective, depending upon, you know, what you're reading off of. And the other one was it asked it about certain things that was in the actual image itself. And it recognized that the image was, it asked it was the image, an AI image that was created from 
like um fire uh fire was firestorm something like that where like Adobe has its own little thing or uh some of the other AI AI models that's used to create images like the text based images and it recognized that yeah it recognized that the image that was dropped in there was an actual AI created image and you can see it from itself I mean I I post for those who's watching the video I post the image up so you can see what the image is because you can tell that it's an AI image and Chat GPT four couldn't recognize it. it it gave out a recipe. On what it thought it was, but um, I don't know. I, th- I, th- I mean, I think it does its thing. I haven't noticed a difference in it as of yet, and what I use it for, because I mean, it's, yeah, I, I, you know, I think it, for us average users, even when it comes to regular computers, I think it's the same. We don't use them for what they the potential behind it, because like even Apple has found itself getting into where. Its sales are slowing down because their new chips are so good. Like they're the M1 chips between the M2 chips and the M3 chips, and this is just getting a nerd talk, which is the whole you know purpose of this conversation, is that they made them so efficient and so reliable on how it computes stuff and how it determines how much power to use and how much RAM to use versus what you're trying to input off input and throw into it, and you know what VRAM is allocating for certain resources to where. It's so great that you, why would you need to upgrade if you have strong enough power in what you have right now? And for as far as like if you, if you bought the M1, it will then you upgrade it to the M2. It's like, why would you need to upgrade to the M3? Because my mine, I have like an M, a 16 gig. No, do I have a 16 gig? I think I have a 32 gig. I have a 32 gig uh, M1 chip. I think it's got like 10 cores in there. And I mean, it works perfectly fine for me. Like, I have no problems. It lags on certain things, like when I'm doing my video editing and whatnot. Like, it'll start stuttering up a little bit. But I just think that's the software. I mean, I don't, you know. Yeah, you know, the graphics card can help out with that. And it, I mean, I don't know. I think it's the software. I know in the software, I know the software is controlled by the CPU and the GPU and what you're trying to do and then you're trying to render whatever, whatever it is that you built or created with the uh, video editing software and or, you know, uh, graphic design stuff that's on there. I understand it 100%. But I haven't seen a difference between even on my PC PC, my Windows PC, where I have a 3070 Ti GPU and an advanced AMD processing unit that's in there. I think it was like it's a two-year-old model. But when I bought it, it was like the highest at the time. It's, um, it still takes almost the same amount of time trying to render stuff. When I'm rendering, when I'm doing some editing on like my desktop versus my laptop, it almost is like almost it's almost the same time. Like I think my my laptop will get it done within like a minute faster. But anyway, it's the, I say that to say that even with the new AI models they're they're bringing out, if you're not really throwing a bunch of stuff at it, I don't know that you would necessarily know outside of the images that it can determine and it can um pull information from like it's supposed to be able to pull information from like videos i have not tested that yet so i don't even know that to be true and or and audio i haven't tested the audio portion of it either i know images yes and i know like text-based stuff yes and it can help out with creating code it can help out with uh trying to troubleshoot stuff on like so like i did a lot of troubleshooting stuff with servers when i was creating like a dns server and then doing like some um routing routes across my path. So I'm trying to quick connect two different virtual machines and then create virtual lands and stuff of that nature. But that doesn't take a lot of, I mean, it's just, you know, helping me out and trying to think, think, think stuff through on how to get stuff connected. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know. That's, that's just me. I, but I think at the end of the day though, I think that's why I said Google is, um, 
it's 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 Skynet because we we're getting there because everything in today's in this conversation is like everything is like stacked up on top of each other of where you can see technology is going and how far we getting ahead because even with these new AI models like the EU has put new regulations in place for us to govern for them to govern on what they can do and what they're allowing with um, the AI that's coming out. And I guess to make sure that, you know, they don't, we don't bow down to their AI overlords. Cause I, and I plan on being Neo. I don't plan on, <laughs> I don't plan on fighting the machines. I want the machines to come because we have too much chaos going on with these humans and us as humans, we have problems that we have, we can't seem to work out on our own. And, I'm going to quote what Bush said, but Bush senior said, maybe it's going to take an external threat for us to come together and work together as a species, as opposed to fighting the way we fighting right now. I mean, especially with the fighting that's taking place over in the middle East, but uh, yeah, that's why I say Google is going to be, uh, going to be Skynet. I mean, is is terrible with the robotics company they had in there too, with Boston dynamic stuff that they had bought. I think they might sort of branch of it off, but they did buy Boston dynamic. And if you don't know who Boston Dynamic is, they have some of the most advanced, they have the most advanced robots. If there are other ones out there, y'all let me know. I haven't seen them just yet, but they have some of the most, they make the videos that's out there too, where you see them doing like backflips. I even saw one recently where they were doing some kickboxing and stuff. So Boston Dynamics, they uh they doing their thing. And that's why I was like, between those robots and they have the robotic dogs is now being, they haven't rolled them out in uh, New York City. And I think in a couple other places to help out with the police force, the uh, military has bought some of the uh, dogs to use when they're out in the field to carry like weapons and supplies. So you're not really dependent upon a human to bring some of that stuff out. So whenever our next wars, which I think is probably going to be soon with all, you know, all these wars, all these, these wars taking place, they're going to integrate robots into that, which I, that might be interesting. I mean, to me personally, I think that might be interesting because at least you've got robots out there getting shot up and you don't have actual humans being uh, blasted on. Now the robots, they might not like it because they might be like, why am I out here if, you know, fighting for y'all humans? You're just using me as, I'm going to say our tools, but you're using me as a tool to fight y'all's war. And I might not agree with that. But yeah, I, that's what I'm, you know, it's funny how fast we're going with AI. And that's, that's a lot of speculation that came with Sam Altman. If y'all saw my last episode where he was ousted, and they were thinking that he was just getting too wild with the AI because he wanted to push it to the limits to see how far we could go with it. And again, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I, I really don't have a problem with that. I, I'm interested, in, and I know a lot of people be like, "Bro, you're crazy as hell." And I, I mean, I, I could, I can agree with that. I am, but I mean, it's one of those things to where if we try everything else out to see what we can do with it, why not do the same thing with AI? Because I've expressed many times on many of my shows, I would love to have my own personal Jarvis. And if y'all don't watch, you know, who know who Tony Stark is or you're not um, an Iron Man person, Jarvis is Tony Stark's of Iron Man's, his AI that he has at home where he comes home and it works with him. He's integrated in all of his stuff, like even in his suits. So it's, it's everywhere he goes, he has Jarvis with him. I would love to have a personal assistant like that that I can talk to, I can have casual conversation with, it can answer me. Because, I mean... I mean, it's, it's, it'll be easy to talk to a machine whether always dumping your problems off onto another human. Now, I don't know. I guess that would be a, a thing of, of therapy, like trying to figure out if you dump so much, like depression, de- depression of like sad stuff off onto 
uh, the computer, how the computer handles that and what it does with that data. I don't know if it deletes it or how it would end up interpreting it and then how it end up changing up its code in, in conversations and whatnot. Because when it comes to these, these new language models, it's keeping your previous conversation so you can continue on with them. So I'd be interested in, I just thought about this. I mean, that would be an interesting thing to analyze. Like, how would it look going forward when it comes to having, like, your own personal assistant and you having conversations, like, you're dumping off all your life problems on, like, you having relationship problems at home or you're feeling depressed about something or the job is getting hard and, you know, people are doing certain things on your job or at your company and it's not sitting well with you and you're just talking it through with your uh, language model at home or in the car or whatever, like what it does with that for later on down the line when you're talking about other stuff. Huh? That's interesting. That's something to think about. I still want it though. So that moves me into the next part of the conversation is, is dealing with our AI, our AI overlords. If you haven't seen Oregon is building like his first humanoid robot factory. And it's, um, what is the name of this company? The company is called uh, Digit, and it's they're they're using it. They want they're moving they they they're moving it from they have, they've already had a factory going from one place in Oregon, and they're moving into a seventy thousand square foot facility because they've actually got some more uh, rounds of funding that came in. I think it was they raised over one hundred twenty two million dollars, and Amazon was one of the investors that was in their, their round of uh, funds they're trying to they raised. And so Amazon is going to integrate, which y'all shouldn't be surprised at this. Amazon is going to immigrate, immigrate, integrate some of the robots from they bought from Digit into their warehouse. Now the robots they stand at five nine, which they, I mean they're taller than me. I'm on the shorter side. I'm I've been short my whole life. I'm like five six. It, you know it is what it is, but it stands taller than me. So it's five nine and it weighs 140 pounds. Which I'm like, oh man, it's on the lighter side because I'm like, it's an actual machine, and it being five nine hundred hundred forty is light work. I mean, you can well, you if you should be able to pick up as a grown man, you should be able to pick up hundred and forty pounds. But the plan is they've they've already been building like a hundred robots a year to like test and work in people's labs and whatnot. But now they want they're scaling it up starting in next year to start dropping out ten thousand robots per year. And they've already got a list of buyers set up. But Amazon is one of the main ones that's already been testing it out within their Seattle labs for they said to be picking up some of the empty bins. So when people are like, you know, stacking the stuff up, not well, packaging stuff up as bins come empty, they uh, I guess they stack up. I don't I've never worked in an Amazon warehouse. They stack it next to them and the machines come over and it pick itself up. And they're so smart. To where once they need a recharge, they go back. They they walk back to their charging station and plug themselves in and recharge. Now I think that would be interesting to see like, do they last a full day, and or do they like do they have their own shifts to where as one goes to recharge, another one steps in, which it probably does to fill its place. And I'm like, do they have people, other engineers there to like? I guess it will come with a contract to where. The, they will have somebody there to to work on and monitor the robots in the event something happens to the machines. But how do y'all feel about that? Like that's wild to me to think that they're actually building these humanoid robots that can stand upright, pick stuff up, take it back to their 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 location or where they pulled it from, and be able to work alongside humans without having any problems. 
And especially, <laughs> I mean, especially like somebody like me, especially if you're on the shorter side and you like looking up and this thing is like grabbing stuff from you. It's like, hmm? but um, I think eventually, man, they're going, I, they're going to end up, you know, replacing the people that's in the, the warehouses. I mean, I, I think so. I think as it stands, as, as they get more used to it, you can have machines sort out product. I mean, if we can have machines create images, they can create software. Even now, they create APIs to integrate their stuff into other software applications. I, I mean, what's stopping them from sorting out things to go into boxes and then having having another machine check as it's sorting through to make sure the right stuff is inside the box? Because I mean, even through humans, sometimes they get it wrong and you get the wrong thing and you got to send it back, or it's, it's damaged and you have to send it back. So I guess it wouldn't be the same thing as the machines just doing it. Now, some of digits. Their competitors, in which if you have, I'm sure you heard some of them. Like Tesla has, it's it's a project, well not project, it's called Optimus. They have Optimus that they've rolled out, and if I've actually seen an advancement in that, to where what were they doing? They were showing like a little demonstration of how they've gotten further ahead and how we can stand up right to where it's not um, I don't know, it's not a bipod, not bipolar, but a bipod. How it stands at an angle, it stands like it stands upright like an actual human. But I have seen a new update on on Tesla's robots that's coming out. Boston Dynamics, which I told you about, their, their Atlas pro, pro, uh, robot, they have Sanctuary AI, which theirs is called Phoenix, and then Figure has I've never heard of these other two companies. Figure with this uh, uh, eponymous robot, and then. Appatronic has Apollo. I've seen Apollo. I've actually seen Apollo. Apollo's pretty cool. But yeah, it's the ones I know that I've seen personally, especially, I mean, definitely Boston Dynamics. Boston Dynamics is like at the top tier of that list. The other ones, I think they're coming in behind them. But this other company, I had never heard of Digit before. Like, I literally had never heard of Digit before. And I kind of try to keep my eye out for this space because I like to see where we're going with our technology and what's, what's being built and how we're going to integrate AI and robots into what we're doing on a daily basis. But I had never heard of Digit. And to know that this company operates out of the U.S. and out of Oregon, and they've already dropping out like 100 robots a year, that's actually pretty interesting. But to know they're increasing the volume up to 10,000 a year, that is wild. So it goes from interesting to wild, because that's wild to me. So I'm like, you have a lot of people actually putting orders in for you to start ramping up, ramping up, ramping up. Man, I cannot talk today to ramp up uh, production for this. And you've been testing it out for a long time. You've been testing it out since 2016. So you've gotten pretty much all the bugs out of it to where it's working out. So I'm like, it's some interesting, it's some interesting time. It's um, to see that where we're going now with AI and then how it's going to eventually start taking over jobs and stuff. And like, what are we, it's the question is like, what are we going to be doing? And no, nobody can give a legit answer on that because even not me working in technology, some of the stuff that I do, it can be automated, but some stuff I, I do, it can't be automated. Like I work in a data center and I, I don't know too many machines. Yeah, I can't, I can, well, I can think of a way, but I can't think of a way of how a machine can come in there, rat stack up some servers, wire them up, Pulling like SFPs to connect to like your fiber optic circuits or copper, um, I yeah I don't I it's if me seeing that right now I don't see how a machine can do that right now. Eventually in the future, yes, 
And then to go in, once it's done, I can see how a machine can plug directly into it and, like, you know, do the software applications that's inside of it, configure it to a network, uh, pull out IPs and do, like, your um, NAT tables and those things. I can see how it can start doing that because, I mean, once it, it, it logs in, I'm just nerd talk. This is a nerd ramble right here. It should be to pull all that data from and communicate with other machines on the network to get what it needs to get done. But yeah, I don't certain jobs. I yeah, it's between the warehouses and stuff. I can see that stuff going away, especially like a couple of places because y'all don't know this about me. I'm not. It's not beneath me to work to work multiple jobs. And certain times, like if I can't get another tech job, I go work in a warehouse. Like I did that a couple of years. Well, not a couple of years ago. It was some years back. Well, I need some extra money. Like this time of the year is like this time of the year is like rough for me because it's always something going on, which is weird. Like it's something that's been going on for a long time, and I, I haven't figured this out. I'm trying to break this cycle. But this time of the year, when I say this time of the year, if you listen to this afterwards, it's between September up until December. Like my pockets get real tight. Like it's a lot of stuff going on with my boys. My boys are in college now, but even when they weren't in college, it was always something going on with them at school between sports or whatever. And it was like my money was just always thinned out. Like it was always thinned out at the latter part of the year. And this isn't even before the holidays even take place. So then when you add in the holidays, it gets cut even more. But yeah, so I was trying to work. Like I'm, it's, I try to work, you know, a, a second job just to bring in some extra income before I had my business that I have right now. And if I can't get a, like I said, IT job, I go work in a warehouse. And like one warehouse I was working at, I was work, I can't think of the name of the company anymore, but we had to pick up furniture and stuff and like wrap the furniture and up. I can see a machine like actually doing it. I mean, it takes two people to do it. And all it takes is like one to lift it up, prop it up and hold it down. And the other one, and it, the, the machine keeps it in place and it just wraps it, you know, surround wraps it and then lay it back down and stack them on top of each other. I can see that being converted into a place to where robots have taken over and robots are doing it now. Now, the question is going to be, again, is like when those jobs are gone, what are those workers going to do? But they have to. And I know it's going to be well, they have to learn a new skill set. But what? Not everybody is able to get into learning or doing IT stuff. I mean, it's just it's one of those things. It's like it's not everybody's built for it. Like everybody's not not everybody's built to be a doctor. Not everybody's built to be a lawyer. So it's like, and I'm not saying you can't do it, but certain things might come hard, like de- like development. But even then, like development jobs, gonna potentially they they could go away. Development jobs can really become automated. Like if I can tell a computer, if I can get to an AI model, and I can say what I want to have built, what I want it to do, give it all the specifics, like give it all the specifics. I think eventually it can develop that app for me. Like it should be able to develop the app for me and then test it within its own environment to actually make sure it's working. And then once it does that, give me the code, like the raw code, so I can integrate it into like my stuff or I can like push it out to a server, like an AWS server or through a, um, Azure. AWS is Amazon web server or then or Azure is Microsoft and drop it on there and then put my app on an app store on either Google Play Store or both Google Play Store and Apple App Store. I think eventually we're going to get to that. And I hate to say that because, I mean, I value our developers, but I think eventually within the next couple of years, it will be to that point because it's already can write the code for you now. It just doesn't test it. So if you can get it to a place to where it starts writing the code for you and test it within its own environment, like its own IDE, I think, yeah, those those developer jobs will eventually go away. So it's, 
I guess I keep saying it, it's wild times, and I'm excited about it. I'm and I'm I'm on the older side of it, so for me, I don't have too much time anyway. <laughs> so, but it's interesting as one. I'm curious, like, what are these kids going to do once those jobs really start just like pulling themselves out? And I'm curious to see what they transition over into. I really am curious. I would love to see them come into IT into the networking world. I I would love it. I mean. I, I love I love diversity and I don't see a lot of diversity now. And I mean that in the most bluntest way possible. I don't see a lot. I see diversity on the bottom side. But as you move further up into actually fun stuff to work on, I don't see a lot of diversity now. So I welcome over all the diversity so we can uh, work together and build stuff. Now, you can still work hand in hand, but yeah, we just work together to build stuff. But yeah, it's I, I'm excited about the new AI models that's coming out. I'm excited about quantum computing that's coming out. And I think with one of the other topics I'm going to talk about at the latter part of this is I think it's going to help out with the uh, the quantum computing itself. But on to the, the, the next topic, I think it's pretty funny because we're talking about technology and what people are trying to do. So I don't know if y'all have heard of Beeper. So if you should, if you listen to my show, you should have heard about you should have heard of B because I talk about it, talk, especially on the last episode or what last TikTok episode. But um, Beeper is an app company, and they made a app that integrates all messaging. I think it's up to fifteen different uh, messaging apps into one place. But the the one that sold them the most was they had actual iMessage integrated into the Beeper application. And the only thing you had to do, you had to sign in with your Apple ID. And it allows you from, and it really, it was for uh, Android apps. So it's not for Apple, it's for Android apps. You can use it on your Apple device, but a lot of people, especially like myself, we want to go use it on our Android devices because I'm a two-phone user. So I use an Android phone and an iPhone. So my Android is for my personal, I mean my business, and my my iPhone is for like my personal. So when I'm doing business sometimes, I don't want to carry around two phones in my pocket because it's heavy as hell. So I'm like, well, if, if I want messages... I don't want to always look down at my watch. I want to be able to respond back. And then I want people to know that I'm responding back to them. And yeah, I could do it from the Android, but it's like green bubble versus blue bubble. I got to say it. It's like, and then you got to make, you don't want everybody to have, I mean, they can't have your business number, but I just want to talk to them with the number they knew it was coming from pretty much plain and simple. So if I could do that from my Android phone without having to always pull out my iPhone, then that was, that was beautiful for me. Now, Beeper had a wait list. Like, it's, it's one that's always in development. It's still in beta. Like, it's been in beta for a long time. And I guess because they want to make sure they get it right, which I have no problem with. I mean, if y'all look at the gaming world and how they uh, games look beautiful when, they, when they're at um, CES and you all, everybody's looking at it, and, but when they try to roll them out, they haven't got all the bugs out and it's trash. I like the fact that it'll operate in a beta mode, limited availability, get all the bugs squashed out, let people test it, and let people you scrape from that data to see what other uh, the stuff is coming from it and see if it's working the right way. And if it's not, then okay, well, let's fix this out and create a ticket to get it fixed. But yeah, so they had iMessage integrated into it. And I bring it up because Beeper turned around and made something called Beeper Mini. Now, Beeper Mini was looked exactly like iMessage to a T. It looked like iMessage on Android. Now, I know a lot of people can say, oh, well, that's like copyright. You know, they didn't, they didn't took their uh, image and replicated it. Eh, the, yes, and no, I mean, you can design yourself how you want to design yourself. But it's, it's, if y'all, y'all have seen it in the news, it's, it's Beeper versus Apple. So what they did was there are other applications out there that allows you to use your Apple ID 
to uh, actually have a blue bubble. So the premise of this whole thing is green bubble versus blue bubble. And then with the last thing I talked, it's like one I talked about within my last uh, TikTok episode was that Google was using RCS and RCS has been around for a long time, but Google was like working on building out RCS to give you that rich, rich communication uh, services. To, so you can have like all your emojis and you can react to stuff. People can see that you responding back to a text messages. So all of the rich stuff that you can see on iMessage, Google's their way of making that happen on Android was through RCS. So they wanted iMessage to bring up, to integrate RCS into its messaging platform. So iMessage people, so Apple people can talk to Android people and you can share data without having any loss when it comes along with it. Because if you don't know, if you try sending over a high-res picture from your Apple device to an Android device, it gets downgraded. And it because it becomes it, it turns into like an MMS message. MMS message, I forget the amount of bits that you can it stores with that. But it doesn't allow for those rich text pictures. Not what those rich pictures. So it looks like it looks uh it is it's just it's messed up. It's pixelated. So if you they integrated RCS into iMessage, it would fix some of those issues to where you all can talk to each other without having anything drop down to like basic text messages. And then you can send people and people can see what pictures you're sending them. And it looks like how it looked on your phone. And Apple is like, no, we're not, we're not doing that. Like we're, we're going, they decided to do it because EU pushed them to do it. So they're going to integrate a lighter version of RCS into iMessage next year. When they haven't said when, but they're going to do it. They're going to integrate it into iMessage next year, but it's not going to be the full version or full realm of RCS. So we don't know how much they're going to add on to it. But so knowing that's a problem. So when you're building out anything, this is the engineer thing. So if you're building out anything, you have to identify a problem and then, okay, what can you do to fix that problem and that we can roll out to the public? So Beeper's thought process was, hey, we already have the Beeper application over here where it's working to a degree, even though you're still coming across Apple servers. How can we fix that? These jokers wrote code to trick Apple servers into believing that your phone number attached to your phone was actually an iPhone. Genius. Like, I got to give it to them. It was genius. They tricked, they tricked the application to believe in that. So... When you're talking to anybody on Apple, whether you're on Android or where you're on Apple, they see a blue bubble. You can send videos, you can send uh, images, like pictures and stuff, without there being a degradation of any of those things. Like it looks the way you took the picture. So if you got a, a Pixel phone, or if you, because Pixel got to take some of the best pictures on Android, or you have a Samsung phone, or whatever phone you got on Android side, whatever picture you take, on your Android phone will look the exact same way when it goes to the iPhone using the Beeper Mini app. <laughs> so I, a lot of us knew that Apple wasn't going to have it. Like Apple was not going to stand for it. And then, but Beeper charged, Beeper did charge like a dollar ninety nine for it. So they gave they gave you a seven day trial, and then after the seven day the seven day they start charging you a dollar ninety nine. And so Beeper didn't know how people were going to take it because especially it being a paid for app when they when they rolled this app out. They had over a hundred thousand people sign up. A hundred thousand people signed up for this application. Now, you take that into dollar amounts. After seven days, they were going to pay. People want to pay a dollar ninety nine if it continued to work. 
after seven days. You know how much money that was? You paid it a month. That was guaranteed income per month of 200000 more every single month because that was 100000 when they first rolled the app out, and it was growing after that. Apple saw that and caught wind of it, and they was like, we're not having that in these streets. Apple immediately shut that down. They shut, and they, I mean, they're notorious for that anyway. But Apple was like, you are not tricking our computers into thinking that you're part of the bouginess of the Apple system. You're not, we're not, we're not allowing that. So because, you know, you think you can fool us, but you're still just a peasant. And because you're a peasant, we're going to boot you off of and out of our house and off of our grounds and kick you back off to those streets. So Apple, Apple update, they sent out a patch and they, they shut it down. Like they block it out. And so they've been trying to work on it. And they, I mean, they stopped people. They stopped taking payments from people. They took, they, yeah, they did stop. They didn't take any payments from anybody. They froze it. But it was like they're working on it. They're going to get it fixed. And I'm like, you're not going to be able to get this fixed. I was like, this, you, you're not going to fix this. But I, I still gave them hope. But I was in my back of my mind, I was like, you're not going to be able to fix this. I'm like, Apple, Apple knows when they got somebody trying to come into their stuff, they will shut you down real quick, which is why Apple is the most secure phone. People can challenge me all day, every day on that. Can it be hacked? They can probably they absolutely can be hacked. But when it comes to zero day attacks, and the zero day attack is like it's something they didn't discover when it was test rolling out and doing test betas and stuff, or it comes to them taking advantage of an exploit within the application. It does not take Apple 48 hours and 72 hours. The minute they catch wind of it, they have a patch that comes out and they shut it down. I Android, I mean, not so much, not not so much, not at all. So now Beeper has been fighting with them trying to get access again because the other way people did it was, I guess I didn't explain the other side. The other way people would do it was with their applications was they would have they would have like a it's not a server farm. It's an Apple. They have Mac Mini. So if you don't know, they have like you don't know different various computers within the Apple universe. So you have your standard uh macbook pro you have your macbook air then you have your macbooks and then on the desktop side you have your imax which is like the one thing with the screen on it and the little small computers on the bottom of it. actually pretty cool technology they have to just shrink a computer down to that size then you have your mac mini which is the smallest thing it's like a little small little tray and then you have your um the mac hub i think it's called the newest one that just came out, the Mac Hub, and then you have your uh, Mac Pro, which is a large, super expensive desktop computer that you see in most movie studios and recording studios. But to get it to work, a lot of people were doing, they were making a server farm out of the Mac Minis. So when they did authentication, so you would have to create an Apple ID, and it would come across the Mac Mini, and then from the Mac Mini, it would point the traffic through Apple servers and then take it down that way. Almost now security wise, that's not that secure because it's almost like a man in the middle attack. And if you don't know what it is, it's like your data is coming through a network. Somebody's positioned themselves in the middle of your data. They've identified themselves to trick themselves. The network thinking that they're a part of it. And it comes, the traffic comes into whatever server this is. And that server spits it back out to uh, the appropriate side to finish the authentication part of it. So to me, that's not as secure because your data is coming across somebody else's server farm of their Mac minis and anybody could spoof or get in there and look into that data and see what's coming across the text message, the phone call, whatever. And they could either listen in on it and, or they can look at read some of the text messages before it's sent back out to the Apple server or while it's being sent back out to the Apple server because it's coming across those Mac minis. And I don't care what anybody says. Oh, you know, people don't, 
uh, insecure or it's, it's, it's no, it's not because you're going across somebody else's stuff. And this, that's just my opinion. But that's like a, that's a hack to get into Apple's network. What Beeper did was they actually wrote code to trick the actual servers, which I thought was more more genius than the other side. The other side was a quick fix. This side was like they actually figured it out. They fixed it so where if you cared that much about the blue bubble, you could look like the blue bubble and actually come through there and come into Apple's network. But not anymore. Apple shut it down. And then a lot of, they say they, they fixed the part where you can connect to it, but you got to create an Apple ID. Apple, so I had been trying to do this. So I was like, let me just create a dummy Apple, dummy, dummy Apple ID to try to try it out to see if it's going to work. Because the I was trying to sign it with my own personal Apple ID and a two-factor authentication wasn't working on it because it has to authenticate onto Mac server. And Mac is like, this is not, I guess, I guess from their standpoint, there is the, the software was saying this is not coming from a device that we know about. That's an actual Apple computer. Because I wonder if they actually have an IDE tag or ID tag, not an IDE, an ID tag within their devices to actually determine if it's an Apple device. They have to versus an Android device. But so in the, the two-factor authentication was not working. And I went into a forum and a lot of people was having that same issue to where that the thought the two-factor authentication wasn't working on their devices either. It doesn't matter what they try to sign it on. Either it was their Apple Watch, their uh iPad, or whatever. And I forgot about iPad, one of the computers, but their iPad, it wasn't working. So they was like, well, go and create your own Apple ID and sign up to that. Let me tell you, that does not work anymore. I would create Apple IDs for work. Like we had to, where I work at, we have to test uh particular devices. So I have to create an Apple ID outside of an iPhone to sign into the iPhone or whatever we're using to test devices on our network. But if you try to create it now from the web, it wasn't allowing it. So I guess Apple has finally shut it down and was like, you can't, unless you're using off a Apple, actual Apple product, they're not allowing you to create an Apple ID. So it's like the, whatever their fix was, unless you already, well, no, it, it doesn't work. It just, it does not work. And so they, I mean, it got so bad, Elizabeth Warren, Senator Elizabeth Warren, she got involved with it, and she was saying that Apple should be shutting people down like that, and they should want to work in a system to where, you know, their devices can talk with other devices and it not be an issue. And I'm now I stand with Apple on this. Hey man, this is my house. I don't have to work the way y'all want me to work with y'all. This is my house. I can you can text your friends, you can text your family. But you limited a certain amount of characters, and you limited to what kind of pictures you can send them uh, if you send it to a device outside of an Apple device. That's how it works in my house. If you don't like it, you can go get an Android. Now, that's a little arrogant, yes, but, I mean, you can't tell a company what to do with their product. Because I'm like, Google doesn't do that. So, I mean, you don't, you can't, you're not making Google do stuff to work with Apple. I don't know. They're not. So, and then, but people in Apple, they're used to Apple's ecosystem and Google and Android people are used to their Android ecosystem, no matter who the manufacturer is. So, but yeah, it's, it's gotten a little raunchy to where you got centered and other people getting involved in it, but it's still pretty funny because the, the hack that they made was, it was ingenious. I mean, I keep saying it, but it is, it is ingenious that they was able to do that. But Apple was just like, no, we're not, we're not having that. We're going to, um, we're going to shut that down. So, 
to go on to the next part to kind of wrap this whole conversation up, I thought I saved this one for last because this is like to me one of the coolest things that I've been waiting for for a long time. And I can't wait so they can get it down to where we can use it in actual home-based systems. So I don't know if y'all been following that Microsoft has really worked on uh, using silicon. Well, we already have silicon now, but using quartz plates as servers or, or storage units. So the first time you probably saw this was on 2001's A Space Odyssey. If you haven't seen that, I don't know what you're missing out on. That's that that is that is a sci-fi original. I don't you you know you're missing out on some good content. You gotta watch 2001 Space Odyssey. That's like one of the original Godfathers of uh of stuff. I think it came out in like 1968. But um, so we've been working on trying to get use quartz as a storage as a backup. Why? I have no idea. Like I don't even know who was the first person even thought of even using that as a storage backup. But Microsoft has actually figured out. They, they, I mean, Microsoft bought into it, and they figured out. So back in the 1970s, Bell Labs was one of the ones, the first one to actually make it work. So you, 1968, you had 2001 A Space Odyssey, a sci-fi movie. And then, I guess, some of the nerds, Bell Labs was like a major nerd center. Like, it was, they had a ton of engineers, uh, data scientists, everybody that worked up in there. And it was like, let's see what we can build in this place, which is where a lot of our networking stuff comes from. It comes from Bell Labs. And so it's part of the Bell company. So and I, I'm, I'm a, well, yes, I'm a part of it. I come from a, I've come from a Bell family. Like my father retired from the Bell company and stuff too. But um, they worked on it. And then they kind of just like let it go to the wayside because it wasn't picking up the steam like they wanted to. They made it work to a degree. But I guess it was a lot of work back then in the 1970s to get it to work the right way because you have to use lasers to be able to write the data that's in there and then be able to erase the data once you have it written in there. So in the 1980s, DuPont and the University of Arizona, they started conducting their own research with it, doing like storage, um, doing storage information in like fiber um, made glass. So then Microsoft came in in 2016 and they started Project Silica. And from that point on, they've been they've been trying to knock it out of the park. So they laid the groundwork for Project Silica, like I said, back in 2016. And they've made all kinds of advancements in it. Uh, they did record-breaking storage density. They demonstrated data storage density exceeding 7 terabytes per square inch of this quartz crystals. They scaled with the technology on it. So they invested in a ton of research and development to create it a commercial viable data storage solution. So you can start seeing like actual disk, quartz disk as your backup to where if it works like it worked in the movie, like in the movie, they actually had disk to where you can pull it out, unrack it from one thing and slide it in another slot and put it and connect it to another to like take your data wherever you want it to. I think that's cool to be able to write that much stuff in just a quartz, like seven terabytes, seven terabytes in a small disk you can barely get this size of storage now in like in a small form factor. Like you still got to get something that's kind of bulky. So I can't wait to see how that works. But it's um the technology that comes around that comes with come with it is actually pretty interesting. So the the long term benefits of it is it's ideal for preserving historical data, cultural artifacts, and critical information for future generations. So it has a long term effect with it. So you unless you, unless you break it it's going to be there for to, until the end of times because it's a quartz, it's a crystal.
is some of the resilience of it is resistant to fire. So you got as recent fires, resistant to water, is resistant to electromagnetic pulses, making it more secure and reliable than regular storage solutions. So even if you fire an electromagnetic pulse, that can fry anything and everything. So if you have a ton of like gamma radiation or bursts that we see coming from the sun sometimes, you get a warning to say, well, it might potentially short out some of our computing system, which it does to a degree, certain, certain things to a degree. But this is resistant to it. And how sustainably it's using environmental friendly material and minimizes energy consumptions compared to, you know, your traditional data centers. So you can you can minimize the amount of space that you need with the storage units in a data center to like actually store a ton more stuff into like these cards. So I'm excited to see what they do with it. So Project Silla is still in development and it's not yet it's not ready for commercial or commercial distribution. But they plan to see a rollout in the next couple of years. So I want to see how it's going to work as far as like a home-based unit. Like, would you need a rack system in the house to actually put it in there? And that might be how I can get my uh, my Jarvis coming from my other AI models in there. Because then if you're doing that, that might actually work with your quantum computers too because you won't need to, when you pull the information off of it, it doesn't need to be heated up or anything. Well, yeah, it's using laser to pull the information off of it. Hmm. But yeah, anyway, so I thought that was something that was actually pretty cool. Like to actually see you being to store a ton of data and stuff onto a quartz crystal from actually from a movie. Because like we see iPads back from Star Trek. Like you saw the first iPad or tablet computers on Star Trek itself. And now you actually now everybody's walking around with tablets now. So it's always interesting to see how sci-fi movies or anybody does any form of animation and stuff, how those, that vision of things is actually can be brought forth and be used into like a home-based solution for, and develop into a home-based solution for people so people can use it. So, I mean, it goes to show you that if you got a vision and you got an artistic talent, that all you got to do is get with the right person that can help develop that and make it a real-time thing. So, I mean, if that's the field that you're working in, I mean, that should be exciting for you because whatever you can envision and whatever you can dream about and think of, you never know. It might can actually be created and, and pushed out to an actual, make into an actual product. So thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode for my little weekly update. Trying to get more consistent, man, because like I said, I've been exhausted. I don't know why I've been so tired lately from this stuff. It's like it's had me drained to like want to uh, actually create podcasts and do other content. But yeah, I'm, I'm picking back up the habit again. So hope y'all are staying safe out there. And yeah, I'm excited about our new AI overlords and what they're going to do. If, if you're not, you know, you need to get tied in because you don't want to be ones on the outside. <laughs> and then you end up getting pushed out because I'm, yes, yeah, I'm going to be the Neo. I'm like, I'm going to be the Neo. I'm not, I'm not booking the machines. I'm riding along with the machines. So thank y'all for tuning in again. Y'all be safe out there. Make sure y'all take y'all L's every day so you live for today. Laugh about the things that you have no control over and uh, lead in love with your heart. So y'all stay safe on the streets. This is PTG TV. Peace out. You can get just put the bandits in the high car. If I try to pull us up, it's not hard. Hey.